Thank you for tuning in to Kineticast. I'm your host, Bo Sauls. On this episode, we have Dr. Brennan Roche from the Kinetic Center Dallas. Dr. Brennan is a former Division I powerlifter from the University of Louisiana, and he still holds a record at his school. He currently judges national-level meets around the United States and works with the number one female powerlifter in the world. This provides Dr. Brennan with a unique perspective when it comes to working with powerlifters and assessing them through functional movement using kineticense. We talk about how Dr. Brennan likes to use the functional module to view lifts in 3D and help correct technique in some of these high-level lifters, which can be the difference in getting rid of back pain and performing at an optimal level. For more information about kineticense, you can book a free online demo if you go to www.kineticense.com. Let's start episode 20, Kineticense Used Clinically with Professional Powerlifters with Dr. Brennan Roche. Today we have Dr. Brennan Roche, former Vice President of the UL Powerlifting Team and former National High School Powerlifting Champion. Dr. Roche, thank you for joining us. Hey, Dr. Bo. It's nice being on the show today. I'm glad you invited me in to talk about the different ways powerlifting has affected how I learn about people move through chiropractic. Very cool. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's exactly what we want to get into. We want to see um, how you look at the body differently than other people look at it. Cause we've had multiple CrossFitters, we've had uh, oxygen specialists, uh, breathing specialists, and we've had all different types of people on, but we have yet to have a national champion powerlifter. So before we get into how you look at people, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little about your history. So uh, I've always been into sports, started out in high school with football, track, powerlifting, but powerlifting was the one that amazed me the most because I always see seen these people that was much smaller than me still lifting magnificent amount of weight. So that kind of really piqued my interest. And then actually my senior year of high school, we lost our coach. My stepdad stepped in as just a parent coach, knew nothing of the sport. So I technically coached the team that whole year, helped with technique, calling numbers, getting the teams ready for competitions, writing the programs. And then when I got to college, started being just just as involved in the UL team there. And that's why I became vice president really early on, helped the whole way through. And I've always just watched the way, different ways people move and like seeing so many different lifters and being coaches at kind of different levels. You see such a variety in the population. Yeah, and you, you definitely did amazing things in high school, but that doesn't mean you didn't do anything in college either. Well, you still hold a record at your school, correct? And what were, what were your numbers back then? So back then, I was lifted in the 205 weight class a couple years, and then I also lifted in the 231 weight class. Uh, in the 205s, I held the, weight, uh, the total record and the squat record. I squatted 633, and then my total record was 1703 at 205 pounds. My last year, actually, I was a 231, and I squatted 711, so I was first and only time I ever got over seven, but I did hit Jeez. that marker, and then uh, I finished out with an 1833 total at that day, so it was a big meet. You're almost a 2,000 club, huh? I wish I would have made it. It yeah. was close. It was close. <laughs> That's cool. How much did you deadlift? So my best deadlift ever uh, was 611. 611? Not my favorite lift. Squat was definitely my favorite. Yeah. Dr. Brennan, you were also a judge for uh, powerlifting in, for the United States, is that correct? Yeah, so the federation that I'm part of is actually uh, the USAPL. It's one of the strictest federations on rules. And I've been a, I was a state judge for three years, and then I got my national level judge. I guess that's been four years now. 
Uh, so at least once a year, I go out to a big national competition, if not more. Uh, last year, I hit two of them to watch. At the collegiate competitions, there's 1,200 lifters, so I'll probably watch at least a few hundred of them myself go through three squats, three benches, three deadlifts. So That's reps, man. You're getting yeah. reps in. That's analysis reps. That's what you're doing. Thousands of in-depth analysis <laughs> every time, red or white lights. And not only do we get Just failing give, lifters left and right, man. Right. And not only do, if we fail them, not only do we, if we fail them, we have to hold up a card saying what color we failed them for. So you have to know which rule that you're giving them a red light for. Tell me the colors. So there's, uh, there's red. So another red. <laughs> That's double reds. Double bad. So it means I did double bad. Right. So for a squat, double red is not going low enough. Okay. Oh, uh, that was, double red. that was at me, guys. Power lifter Ankle dorsiflexion. <laughs> Uh, then then there's yellow and then there's blue so like on deadlift blue is whenever you go back down a little bit and then finish the lift because like maybe you've tilted forward or something like one of the minor rule breaks and different things like that dang it's that that sensitive too like if they so if they get two blues on two lifts do they just lose both those lifts if yeah if they get so two red lights from either from any judge they lose the lift and then we got to give the specific reason why with the secondary color that's wild. And you're talking about, like, you're not just watching people move. You're watching people that practice moving, trying to practice moving a large amount of weight, and you're watching them over and over and over again. And these, these are people that put time into it. Put time into doing this, These you've already said it, these specific movements. That's what's cool. And you're, I mean, that's, that's why I was really excited to have you at the Kinetic Center, too. And um, you have to think, you put so many reps in with this, you're probably the number one barbell doc in Dallas. Like, I see you as the, I mean, who? what other barbell doc is watching as many the high-level national power lifters as you? Right, so like one of my favorite things about being national judge is I get to judge a lot of the American records. So the first American record I actually got to judge was our boy Charles Okapoko. So oh, that, that dude is big too. I was on the uh, judging platform whenever he squatted 700 pounds weighing 145. Crazy. You should see his legs are so massive. Those things are like tree trunks. I mean, right. and, I, and people say that, but I mean, I would say like really, really like it's a rugby ball. That's what it is. He's got super inflated rugby balls for legs. <laughs> like the, the, it's wild how, how thick he is and I mean shredded too. Like he doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. Right. I've got to judge many different men lift over 10 times their body weight. Many different women lift over eight times their body weight between squat bench and deadlift. Like I've got to see a lot of impressive lifts uh, through judging on these national level competitions. Because, I mean, like I said, the collegiate one I went to last year had over 1,200 competitors. Yeah, see, that's crazy. And what you're doing is you're judging them to hit specific areas of when they lift like they have to hit a certain level their shoulders need to be at a certain place the, they right. their feet can't shift they have so many different things that you're watching at once with three other judges and you're doing it over and over again now take that into functional movement and take that into a lifter that comes into you now a lifter is going to come see you because well he's done it at the highest level he's watched everyone at the the best of them do it and he's judged them while they do it and now he became a doc and knew all that before he was getting his doctorates and then learning about biomechanics. That's crazy. And I think that's going to be a huge draw for you. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, that's why I always like to watch movement so much and watch specifically these functional movements. So 
I love using cams, but definitely as I'm watching them, I can definitely kind of grade it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's gonna be a good score. I, so th yeah, they're gonna score high. I did this with that guy, or I did it with one of my patients. Um, I was literally, I watched him go, and I was like, man, I bet this lumbar stability pops up, and I was like, I was like lumbar stability for sure, man. And then uh, it scored, and there was the lumbar stability, and that's not a common one to show up on cams. So I like raised my fist, you know, and the guy was like, "That's not cool, man." <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, we're gonna work on that though. Um, that's rehab. We got you." Yeah, it's like uh, I know what to do for that. Don't worry. Yeah, we we've done this. All right, I like that you come from that place because it shows to the level of which you were that athlete. Um, it gives you a unique perspective on how people move. And then just watching people do functional movements like squatting, well, like you were just talking about doing squats, um, weighted versus unweighted, because we know that the body changes when you add weight to it. So um, I want you to kind of talk about like how you look at people right now. Say I'm just a guy, I'm going to say I'm a CrossFitter. I CrossFit maybe four times a week and I come into your office and I have some issues with my movement patterns that I want you to look at. So how do you take care of that? So like, for example, I've actually had something almost exactly identical to that in a clinic had crossfitter come in had been working out for a little over a year now so you would say he's pretty experienced in crossfitting and he's still been having a lot of back pain while squatting so we kind of went through different squat techniques and it, he just had a lot of forward pitch so we kind of looked at how his hips moved and the stance that he was in that particular time just was not the stance that works for him so we just widened up his stance and he was actually able to get into a lot better squat positioning and it carried over to all of his squat variations and even into his lunges started looking a little better. So just sometimes looking at the way a person squats may not be the way someone else needs to squat, knowing that there is optimal ways to squat, but everybody has their own optimal. For sure, and then that's, that's talking very squat specific, but then you mentioned lunge. There's different movements that you look at, correct? So right. uh, yeah, go through that. So whenever you work with one lift in particular, like the squat, since it is one of the functional things that we do every single day, we sit down and pick things up. Whenever you are able to change a functional movement like a squat, it typically carries over, I find, to things like the way we lunge, the way we walk, the way we pick up things. So it carries over to a lot of the way you perform in life, not just your hobbies. Yeah, and that's, and that's key too. I was talking to a patient the other day and um, she was trying to figure out if this was even the right place for her. And I was like, look, I want you to I want you to be, want to be here as much as I want you here because if you don't want to be here, you're not going to be a consistent patient, not going to be able to take care of you. So right. I was showing her the, just an overhead air squat and I was saying, this is you sitting down if you're holding a box overhead or putting something up or having to hold something above you, like say a kid and walk, or, or, over something. And she was like, uh, Dr. Sauls, I don't believe you because that is not the same thing as me sitting down in this chair. And I said, well, you're not supposed to just lose everything. You're not supposed to just let go of all your muscles and drop. You're supposed to sit and squat into it. So um, she even asked me, "Is like, was I supposed to? Am I supposed to know this stuff?" And I'm like, "Well, I think I think we should change that. We've talked about bringing functional movement into education of kids growing up, but I don't think a lot of people do know that. So it's not necessarily her fault." But I mean, you're talking about taking everyday movements and then that's why you, that's why we look at them, right? That, that's exactly why we do that. Right. So like even going back to like high school, I remember you learn in the football weight room. All right. Everybody puts their pinky on the rings of the bar on bench press. Everybody squats this certain way with their feet this wide. It's yep. like, wait, why did we learn that that way? Yep. So we need to be a little more adaptable with the kids and helping them learn proper positioning not necessarily 
feet stances and just mechanics overall because exactly. i mean i i like i was funny because i had a coach to tell me ask me one time has no one ever taught you how to jump and i think it's funny because it's like yeah i couldn't jump very high but uh it was a real question and i took it as a joke but he was asking has anyone ever taught me how to jump no no one had ever taught me how to jump that's not something you teach kids but what if you teach them early on how much more power output and efficiency would they have later and you see that all the time in our vertical jump on the cams. Whenever people go to jump, they yeah. won't actually elevate their body center of gravity. They'll just like kick their feet up or try to pick their knees up a little. I'm like, but you didn't actually raise your body from the ground. You didn't actually get vertical. Yeah. And I, okay. So I tell people all the time, it might be kind of rude. I'm like, I couldn't even pull a piece of paper out from under that because they're not getting off the ground really. Or, or they're just bending their legs up, like you said. And that's... Again, and that's why you analyze functional movement. So let's talk about the aspect of weighted versus unweighted, putting them on the functional screen in 3D. So uh, my uh, theory with weighted versus unweighted has also always been that it should be very similar. So that's why in powerlifting, we didn't do a whole bunch of different types of warmups, but we always started with just the bar. And you slowly and gradually went up because you should be able to mimic that technique from lightest to heaviest. I actually had uh, one of the most elite squatters I ever learned from. His name's uh, Nelson Boot. He's a very strong guy. He weighed 130 and squatted 580 pounds. Jeez. So he told me that even the speed should be the same from warm-ups to heavy, like 85-90% of weights. And he said any, the way he learned is that any reps that weren't identical, they did not count. So it's a definitely a different mindset to getting unweighted versus weight and get it correctly but sometimes you have to work through those restrictions and you need to analyze why it looks different uh, if you have if you have variances obviously there's something you need to look into and see why those are there i think you're right i mean you really want to have complete control of the bar it's all about having control of the movement so if you're going to weight and then you look different then you're completely losing control now i think what i'm saying is i know when i watch put someone squat or watch somebody move and they think they're a great squatter, right? Like that's, I mean, we have that come in all the time. Like, oh no, I'm a good squatter. I'm really good at this. Uh, and I'm like, great, well show me. And then I, they show me and then it's fairly good sometimes or pretty good when they do it with just the bar. And then we put 200 pounds on their back or we put, well, depending on their size, right? I'm not gonna just load someone up to 200 and say, go for it. Right. <laughs> We're gonna take them a gradual stage. But um, I would just say when we get to that 200 that they say they move exactly the same, well now we're seeing rotation in the transverse plane which I think that's the coolest part to me is because if you're looking at them front on, it kind of looks like they're staying fairly square because everyone knows to keep your chest up and as high as you can. That's what they were taught in high school. So you start to see that they try to level out their shoulders, but now we have hip rotation. And you can see the little red dots on the screen, the shift, and I'm like, ha, gotcha. So then we go back, play it, and show them that. So do you, how, how often do you get into that with lifters? Oh, I love looking at especially looking at the front functional screen because – since it shows you that transverse plane, you can see exactly where their shoulders, hips, and their feet are in place to each other. So you know that on those low bar squats, you'll see the hips a little bit further back and the shoulders may be tilted a little bit further forward than if they were doing more of like that high bar squat for Olympic liftings. So being able to see that and then see exactly where those are breaking down rotational wise when they get to maybe the bottom or even a lot of it you see as they're coming out of the hole. So it's very interesting to see that on that functional screen of the kinetosense. 
Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I, well, we get really good feedback too. Like people like to watch them do lifts and it's not just squats. It's the power cleans too. People like watching that power clean, like seeing how their hips and how their shoulders shift as they come up in that jump and that explosion. And I mean, everyone could talk about elbows all day, but it's really nice to be able to see how you're moving and how you're stacking when you go through that. Not too much extension on the top and not overly flexed in the position when you go in to take off. So I know I've seen, I have a lot of good feedback from that at least. So how do you use functional movement in powerlifting? How do you take someone that comes out uh, straight off, straight out of the gym and they walk in and they're like, look, I feel like my movement patterns are off. I feel like I'm just not stable. Do you take them through the full functional movement screen? Do you, what do you do? What's your process? So yes, definitely with any other powerlifters, we're still going to through the full CAMS assessment and a lot of the feed or fight back I get from them is the overhead squat. They want to, why don't train overhead squat? Why are we assessing it? And I think it's still important and relevant to them because what the overhead squat is analyzing is, can you keep those shoulder blades in a nice stable position as, as you're moving your hips? And on the bench press for powerlifters specifically, you need to be able to have that shoulder very high level of shoulder stability. And you also incorporate the leg drive. So you have to have that uh, independence between the scapular stability and your hip mobility. And then that's also adequate for the typical barbell squat that they do also, uh, just obviously a little less specific, but it's still very applicable to the shoulder scapular, uh, scapular stability that they need. Well, I think you'll be the first person to ever uh, put the overhead squat assessment to a bench press, man. That, that, I don't think anyone's ever <laughs> associated that, which is really cool though. I see what you're talking about. Um, that's interesting. And what I, so what you're talking about with the scapular stability with hip movement, that's exactly it. That's key. Um, we, we've talked multiple times about different doctors and what we're talking about when we say functional movement is sometimes different than what they think it is. Uh, we're looking at it as, okay, these are the general biomechanical things humans are built to do. And if that hits all planes of motion, um, if you can't do these very well, why are you doing advancing them and doing larger movements or weighting them or stuff like that? And, I, and we, we look at it that way when people just think, well, you should be able to overhead squat. And that's like, that's not, that's not the reason why we're doing that. I mean, you, you literally equated the overhead squat to bench press, which I think is really cool. And that's, that's really awesome seeing that you're putting those two together. Now let's talk about the reverse lunge. What do you see with the reverse lunges? So I think the reverse lunge is a huge thing because I like how it assess each leg independently and you still get that st uh, scapular stability and that leg assessment individually is a big thing especially because you see a lot of shifts in power lifters where they'll specifically shift over and favor one leg or the other during a squat so that'll kind of help you see where that's coming from and then also that's where the vertical jump i find plays a big part because you can see if they have a problem generating power from one of those legs so the reverse lunge and vertical jump together is where i like to gather that information that's cool. So as you're uh, saying that, I actually had a patient come in the other day and he was a bigger guy um, and he came in and he's been told he's got these disc herniations and all that. Um, he's in a lot of pain. The right glutes don't work very well. Um, he's got a little sensation loss on the lateral portion of his right leg. And I mean, he's in a lot of pain, like limping, like consistently. So we're going through and we're going through the functional movement screen. I'm like, look, man, if it hurts, tell me. Let's not bail. I don't want you to get hurt. But um, as you do these, uh, we need to see how well you can do these movements because these are different movements you're gonna do, try to do throughout the day anyway. And he was like, okay, we'll go through it. Well, when we get to the reverse lunge, 
um, it was his right leg that was that was hurting, right? So when he did the right, right leg front reverse lunge, he was able to do it just fine. He tapped his knee and came all the way up. When he, and that was supposed to be the leg that was hurt and the one that couldn't fire and all this stuff. And he stood up and he was like, huh, that was weird. And then he did it on the left. And he went probably an inch back and said, nope, I'm done. <laughs> and he just stopped because like, I can't do that at all. But it's this whole right-sided issue that he's got going on and his left leg's not working. So now I'm like, he's got his eyes open to what's going on with him or kind of where we've got a lot to work through. It's definitely, a, we've talked about it not being one issue. But um, it's really cool to see that helped him correlate what's going on in his body because he just realized he could, couldn't do a movement same side to side. He realized that he had an asymmetry and he realized that he wasn't as functional on one side as he was the other. And the side that he thought was least functional was actually more functional than the opposite, which I, that, that kind of was like the cool part of that, right? That's, that's all of it coming together. And what if we had just never taken him, taken him through a movement screen? We never would have found that. We never would have found the opposite leg. Um, we would have been hammering on the same hip or trying to figure out what to do with that and then referring him out somewhere else. And that's, and that's not the right process. And I think that's really what get the screen gets us. So I know I kind of sidetracked off of powerlifting there, but I mean, you hit a, like you made a good point. So I wanted to keep going with that. Yeah, definitely. I'd be curious to see what his vertical jump score was side to side. Oh yeah, we didn't do that one, man. <laughs> we, we 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 just skipped through that. Really, I said I am not making you jump on this leg, man. He said, "Oh my gosh, thank you." So I mean, you have to think though. That's a, that's an important point that uh, Dr. Brennan just made. Is you don't want to just torture somebody if they can't do it, they can't do it. They failed it. Keep going, and they get a zero for it. So you're going to get a zero on that movement. Uh, he scored pretty low. He scored a 31 out of 100, but. Is he a 31? Yeah, he, he really can't do stuff in life. So he's moving right. at 31%. So that's what he's coming at. And I'm going to be able to track his improvements in these movements and track his overall score. And I told him, I was like, look, man, I know the pain, the sensation. I'm going to work on that. But I, 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 that's not my main goal. You're scoring a 31 overall throughout your life. I want to bring that up to at least a 50 right. just in the beginning. And he, he said, I like that. That's cool. And he's all in. And it was just a, it's just a cool thing to see. So uh, we also work with the number one powerlifter, female powerlifter in the world, and I would like you to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, so we'll be at Bonica Brown's meet on October 26th, I believe the date is. We'll be at the MPC Legends event. Should be a pretty big event. So we'll be working with her for the meet, and then hopefully she'll come check out the clinic and maybe even get a workout with her. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, we've definitely, I know she's coming to the clinic. She's already, she's already said she's on her way in, but... Um, how, how about her having her own meat named after her? Like, that's pretty cool. That's, that's like reaching right. another level, right, in powerlifting? Oh, definitely. It's pretty cool to be able to have people just inspired to be lifted, lifting because of you. So she's definitely inspired a lot of people to take their game to the next level. And personality-wise, too. She's just a really nice person. And, like, uh, it's really cool to see how she inspires other women to just kind of come out of their shell and like be open and you know strong and be strong about their personality you know and I've definitely definitely seen that at the events we've worked with they come up and they say like uh Bonica this is you've helped me through so much I love this and she's like well and she always gives it right back to him right she never takes like credit for that she's just a genuine person it's really cool yeah she was an awesome person to get to know yeah, so how, um, also she, she gave us a hug at the end. and what it, So tell me about that experience for you, Dr. Brennan. What was it like hugging her? <laughs> well. That sounded weird, guys. It doesn't go that way, I promise. This is a good, this is positive. <laughs> I've never felt so much like a little boy whenever she gave me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we talked about a couple of the different movements that you use and how you utilize them and what you're looking at with these power lifters. Um, there's one more I want to talk about, and that's balance. Because I use balance in very different ways with runners, all sorts of type of people. I want to know how you use balance with the power lifters. So for balance in particular for the power lifters, I really like to see like more of where the deviations are coming at. So are they coming more from the head and shoulders or are they coming more from the knees and hips? So is it more of like a lower body stability problem or a core or upper body stability problem? So that helps me kind of think about how to rehab their uh, stability work. And then I'll also look at that transverse plane that we have and see whether their sway is more in an A to P plane or more on a lateral plane. That way I'll know uh, which chain to possibly want to also uh, focus on during rehab. Yeah, that's cool. And that's a, that's actually a really good point too, is looking at which chain. And I go, we, I know we both go off of anatomy trains and fascial planes. Um, and it's interesting to see these people whenever, like I do, I do cupping along uh, fascial planes to give it a stretch. And it's interesting to see when you hit that spiral line on someone and their balance improve. And that, that, that's really cool. And that's kind of what you're talking about now. Specifically, uh, how would balance assessment transfer into improving powerlifting for you? Uh, so, like one of the things I see very common is on the balance, I'll see a lot of lower body stability. So you see a lot of uh, deviation at the hips and the knees. And whenever we actually go through the exam and go through some of the rehab treatment, a lot of times what we'll find is a lot of weak feet. So they're actually losing support at their feet which is causing them to have lack of ankle range of motion and it's just going all the way up the chain into the knees or in the, even in the hips. Sometimes they'll experience even hip impingement from weak feet. So uh, weak feet is something that comes up pretty often because they are typically wearing those big supportive shoes. So sometimes we do need to do some of our accessory work without shoes on, let our feet actually adapt to the ground, build some strength to be able to control all the different bones and motions of the feet. I mean, it's kind of wild too, because I give I give people like a, almost like a foot crunch exercise, but it's crazy. People say I can't do this. I don't know how to do this, and I was like, you know what? Do it for a week, and you will. And they're like, no, I don't even know what I'm doing. I said, I know. It's because you don't know how to do it. You literally can't fire the bottom mus the the muscles in the bottom of your foot. And I'm not saying that they're able to crunch it all the way up and raise their arch so high, but it should move some, and then we should be able to get some motion in there. And as soon the next week, they always come back and they say, look, I can do it now. And they do it fairly well. And we correct little things and we can advance. And then that's, what, that's my basis of taking them to a single leg stance. That's my basis of doing that. And you're, you're talking about it too, weak feet. Um, you take them and you strengthen that plantar tissue and you strengthen it where they can start to actively strengthen it. And then they can actively, or they can just activate it when they go into a single leg stance when they normally can't. Because if they can't even try to do that with their foot, how are they going to activate on a single leg when they're completely weighted? And that's that's kind of like the process that I use. And then we start to get these people that are risk of fall and different things like that. And then that's you start from the ground up, man. I mean, now we take that. If that's what we're doing on the most basic form of efficiency, well, powerlifting, if you've, your feet are weak and you have no stability in your feet, how are you going to be able to lift that weight? How are you going to drive in a straight line? You're going to have a compensatory pattern immediately. You're gonna have a knee, a knee go too far out, or it might go too far forward. You're gonna have a hip rotation. You're gonna have something happen off that. Yep, all based off of just the feet. Sometimes it's as simple as could be. Man, we had a we had a guy in our class, Dr. Mike Houck, and I remember him telling me and try to, man, just take their shoes off and see how they move. And I, I'll never forget it. And you know what? I do. I've done it ever since. I've mentioned it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, he definitely told us way early about it, and he nailed it. 
Yeah, definitely. I've seen a lot of different uh, reactions whenever I get lifters and take their shoes off and they can definitely feel it, especially if we do even like a balance test for like 10 seconds with their feet up, with their shoes off. They're like, oh man, my foot's a little sore. It's like, that was only 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, you've got 10 more. And that, that doesn't even mean if you start closing their eyes for a vestibular, then they're just going to fall around and then you're not getting a stability pattern. So. Right. All right, Dr. Brennan, thanks for joining us today. Um, we're going to have you back on. We'll do another one. Uh, Dr. Brennan works at the Kinetic Center Dallas with me, and we get to take care of a lot of power lifters and different CrossFitters and everybody around the area. So it's been nice, and it's been really good to have uh, a brain like Dr. Brennan's in the clinic, and I wanted to get him on a podcast for everyone to hear. So, Well, thank you for the invite, Doc. It's been fun talking with you today. I know I'll enjoy the next one. Thank you for listening to Episode 20. Dr. Brennan was able to let us in a little bit on how he utilizes the system with these professional athletes and the different level collegiate athletes that he works with. On Dr. Brennan's next episode, he will be joining us with either Bonica or Charles, whoever we can get on first. On the next episode, we have Dr. Aaron Horshig from Squat University. Dr. Aaron is the author of the Squat Bible, and he's coming on to help us with some overhead squat assessment, breakdown, corrections, and different compensation patterns that you can find. This is one of the main movements in CAMS, the Kineticense Advanced Movement Screen, and we're going to focus some questions along some of the data that we pull out of our overhead squat assessment. For more information on Kineticense, you can go to www.kineticense.com to book your free online demo. I'm your host, Bo Sauls, and let's keep learning about movement, performance, and rehab together. <laughs>